Welcome now to uh, our special presentation, the Access Utah Holiday Special for 2015. Uh, you just heard the Lightwood duo there playing us in, and I have with me in studio Tim Slover, uh, professor of uh, theater arts, University of Utah. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to you all. It's great to be here. Uh, so we have the Lightwood duo consists of guitarist Mike Christiansen. Thanks for being with us. And uh, we have with us uh, Eric Nelson on clarinet and saxophone. I couldn't tell, Eric. Was that saxophone or clarinet? It's a bass clarinet. Okay. <laughs> bass clarinet. All right. It's great to be here. <laughs> it's, it's good to have you with us. Uh, well, let's, let's have a little more uh, music. The light would do it. What are we going to hear? Uh, we're going to hear uh, White Christmas done in a style where they never have one. Okay. <laughs> so we're we're going to play a little bossa nova. White Christmas.
Beautiful. You're listening to the Axis Utah Holiday Special for 2015, and you just heard the Lightwood Duo. Mike Christiansen on guitar, Eric Nelson on clarinet. Gentlemen, thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you. A little uh, bossa nova. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, different twist. I was thinking uh, uh, that took me back to Argentina, and before you, you know, uh, not the home of the bossa nova. The, the, not the home of the bossa nova. <laughs> right. But what I, what I was thinking, I spent a, I've spent a Christmas oh. in in Argentina oh. on, on an LDS mission. Yeah. And I discovered through that experience that a lot of the traditions are very northern hemisphere centric. It's, yes. You know, you're in the blazing heat and for Christmas. <laughs> right. And you realize all the carols are, you know, a lot of the a lot of the songs are about uh, snow and right Christmas trees and. And yeah. it, it's all very weird if you're in South America <laughs> yeah. for Christmas. We had a similar experience recording. A, we did a Christmas album, and I think we recorded, what was it, in June or July? And we were sitting in a studio, and they had to turn off the air conditioners because of the <laughs> sound bleeding over some of the microphones. So yeah. it was like 110 degrees in the studio, and we were playing White Christmas, and it was kind of tricky getting into the spirit. Yeah. <laughs> so I think Bossa Nova, that's nice. Nice yeah. Bossa Nova take on, on White Christmas. Um, so, uh, well, I, I've always wanted to ask you, you guys, I have the Lightwood Duo here in, uh, in Studio B, What uh, where'd the name come from, Lightwood Duo? Uh, we were on our way to play a job down in Salt Lake when we originally started doing this. I was playing some solo work uh, down in Salt Lake and um, I wanted Eric to go along and, and try doing this clarinet guitar thing at a, at a place, at a venue where I was working down there. And anyway, this lady... Uh, called up before we got down there, and she said, well, what kind of music are you going to be playing tonight? And I said, well, let's see. We won't be uh, – we'll play we'll play some jazz, and we're going to play some classical stuff, and we're going to play some show tunes, some standards, and, and some pop stuff, but uh, we're not going to play – we don't do a lot of heavy metal. And we thought, <laughs> yeah, okay, so the opposite <laughs> of heavy metal would be light wood. Light wood, okay. Yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I- that the owner of the venue had a – Maybe a few too many that night. And I know when we got done, he uh, made the check out to the fabulous Driftwoods. So it took a while to stick. <laughs> You're, were you able to cash that eventually, I guess? Yes. Yeah, good, good. Uh, so Eric Nelson, uh, appreciate having you in, in studio. Um, guitar and clarinet. Wouldn't it's You don't hear a whole lot of guitar-clarinet duos. No, there, there are very few, in fact. I, I don't know of any others who, who work... Um, are working constantly like like this and i think it's because the clarinet is a little bit of a louder instrument in contrast to the guitar and so we've worked out a lot of systems for amplifying the guitar and getting the balance just right and then of course we've written all our own arrangements yeah there's nothing written for this combination right right yeah Yeah. so you've you've built up a repertoire for other other lightwood duos to follow yeah. <laughs> uh so th- this, this this started out because of you guys were friends was that the yeah yeah we played uh played in a f- four-piece band a cover band we did a lot of rock and roll a lot of jazz and uh different gigs with that eric on saxophone and keyboard uh, but eric is a phenomenal uh, clarinetist and his his main instrument and uh so we just started rehearsing one play some more jazz and we started playing uh rehearsing uh, clarinet and guitar and got some gigs great uh just a couple more to, for people who don't know uh, mike christiansen professor emeritus of guitar at usu yep uh, retired a couple years ago uh sort of 
Yeah, sort of yeah. retired. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they, they tell me. That's... Busier now in retirement. Yes, probably. yes. yes that, that happens. <laughs> yeah. And Eric, uh, you teach, uh, I always forget where you teach. I teach in the middle school in Providence. It's called Spring Creek Middle School. Okay. And I'd like to say a big thanks to my substitute teacher today who's dealing with middle school students yeah. the day before <laughs> Christmas vacation. That's right. So. Well, you're very, you're very clever to come and be with us and the, yeah, the substitute it, there. It yeah. was a good out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me turn to uh, Tim Slover, joins me in uh, Studio A, uh, professor of theater at University of Utah. Right. It's your, your day job. Uh, playwright. True. Written uh, several plays, including one on on Handel, the great That's composer. That's true, right? Uh, called Joyful Noise, um, and uh, it's uh, it's done well for me. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. And I think a lot of people who at least who listen to uh, to our station will know you. Well, will know of the Christmas Chronicles, and I should say you're the author of the Christmas Chronicles. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, which started as a radio series before it, did. it was a book. Yeah. Uh, Walter Rudolph down at uh, KBYU. Right. Who, as I think you like to say, with a name like that, or I think he says that as well. (laughs) Name like that, he's got to be into Christmas, right? And and boy, is he. Yeah. (laughs) So did he come to you and commission that, or how did that happen? No, I worked there uh, for a little while, not very long. um, But uh, actually, uh, that's how we got to know each other and did a couple of things together. And then um, when I went somewhere, when I went to the U, uh, I'd had this idea for, gosh, about, seven years because there were stories I used to tell my kids when they were little. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, he is a visionary, I think, when it comes to radio production. So he said, well, let's do it as a radio series. Yeah. It's very well done. It's highly produced and uh, and, and just an, an excellent series. And we've had it on our air for the last several years. And, and again, and I'll put a plug in for it. So this Friday evening at 7 and then continuing Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday evening at 7 in Thank the next you. week. Thanks for doing it. We'll be, we'll be running the uh, the Christmas Chronicles. So this started with your, your kids? It did, yeah, who are now grown-ups. Um, but I uh, always I, – I, there's something, there was something about me that made it hard for me to give up uh, Santa Claus. I actually never have, and I actually still – believe it all, actually. And so I wanted to make it plausible for them when they were little kids, um, because, you know, schoolmates would come to them and say, well, what about this? You know, how does he do that? And uh, there were reasons for all those things. And I felt like telling him what the reasons were, and those turned into stories. Yeah. And you give him an evil villain. Yeah, you give him a love interest. It's it's great. It's very dramatic. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. Um, let's hear a, a reading or two here. What are you going to read for us? Well, A.A. Milne, uh, the British writer active uh, in the 1920s particularly, best known for the Winnie the Pooh books, um, but was also a writer of light verse uh, that he published uh, often with Punch magazine in London. And um, sort of the sort of poems Winnie the Pooh himself might have written. Uh, and this is by A.A. Milne. It's called King John's Christmas. King John was not a good man. He had his little ways, and sometimes no one spoke to him for days and days and days. And men who came across him when walking in the town gave him a supercilious stare or passed with noses in the air, and bad King John stood dumbly there, blushing beneath his crown. King John was not a good man, and no good friends had he, but stayed in every afternoon and no one came to tea. And round about December, the cards upon his shelf, which wished him lots of Christmas cheer and fortune in the coming year, were never from his near and dear, 
but only from himself. King John was not a good man, yet had his hopes and fears. They'd given him no present now for years and years and years. But every year at Christmas, while minstrels stood about collecting tribute from the young for all the songs they might have sung, he stole away upstairs and hung a hopeful stocking out. King John was not a good man. He lived his life aloof. Alone, he thought a message out while climbing up the roof. He wrote it down and propped it against the chimney stack. To all and sundry, near and far, F. Christmas in particular, and signed it not Johannes R., but very humbly, Jack. I want some crackers, and I want some candy. I think a box of chocolates would come in handy. I don't mind oranges. I do like nuts. And I should like a pocket knife that really cuts. And, oh, Father Christmas, if you love me at all, bring me a big red India rubber ball. King John was not a good man. He wrote this message out and gat him to his room again, descending by the spout. And all that night he lay there, a prey to hopes and fears. I think that's him a-coming now. Anxiety bedewed his brow. He'll bring me one present anyhow, the first I had for years. Forget about the crackers, and, and forget the candy. I'm sure a box of chocolates would never come in handy. I don't like oranges. I don't want nuts. And I have got a pocket knife that almost cuts, but oh, Father Christmas, if you love me at all, bring me a big red India rubber ball. King John was not a good man. Next morning, when the sun rose up to tell a waiting world that Christmas had begun, and people seized their stockings and opened them with glee, and crackers, toys, and games appeared, and lips with sticky sweets were smeared, King John said grimly, as I feared, nothing again for me. I did want crackers, and I did want candy. I know a box of chocolates would come in handy. I do love oranges. I did want nuts. And, oh, if Father Christmas had loved me at all, he would have brought a big red India rubber ball. King John stood by the window and frowned to see below the happy bands of boys and girls all playing in the snow. A while he stood there watching and envying them all, when through the window, big and red, there hurtled by his royal head and bounced and fell upon the bed, an India rubber ball. And, oh, Father Christmas, my blessings on you fall for bringing him a big red India rubber ball. Tell me the title again. King John's Christmas. That's A.A. Milne. A.A. Milne. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you for that. You're listening to the Access Utah Holiday Special for 2015. We're talking with Tim Slover, who's a playwright, author of the Christmas Chronicles. Uh, we have with us the Lightwood Duo in uh, studio. Uh, the Lightwood Duo consists of Mike Christiansen on guitar and Eric Nelson on uh, clarinet. Uh, Lightwood Duo, would you uh, favor us with another number before we go to break? You bet. What, uh, what will we hear next? This is an Ode to King John. <laughs> no, it's actually a little twist on God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, but uh starts off with a little bit of the bass clarinet. Mm-hmm. 
Lightwood Duo on our Access Utah Holiday Special. Mike Christiansen and Eric Nelson. Uh, God rest you, Mary, gentlemen. So that's the that's the bass clarinet. It's it is the bass yes, bass clarinet. That's correct. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Like uh, that's, like the rhythm is kind of funky. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to play, and you yeah. don't hear it very often. Yeah. This time of the year, you hear it more than some because you hear it a lot in the Nutcracker. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, let's take a break. When we come back, more of our Access Utah Holiday Special 2015 with the Lightwood Duo and Tim Slover. The holidays are upon us. They can be filled with joy. And also stress. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. And we're the great-great-grandchildren of etiquette icon Emily Post. And the host of Awesome Holiday Etiquette, a show about approaching the season with consideration, respect, and honesty. We'll answer questions about real holiday situations. And talk with special guests about food, travel, and entertainment. Join us for Awesome Holiday Etiquette. Join us Thursday morning at 10 on Utah Public Radio. What is a subject that you are passionate about? What do you know more about than most? Utah Public Radio wants you to share your knowledge and become a source for the Utah Public Insight Network, a new collaborative effort between UPR and the Salt Lake Tribune. Information you share could help our reporters create more in-depth stories on the things that you care about or more meaningful discussion on our flagship program, Access Utah. Become a source today. Join UPIN. For more information, visit us online at upr.org. Thanks for listening to the Access Utah Holiday Special. Every year we get together. Uh, last couple of years, we have been enjoying uh, music with uh, Mike Christiansen and uh, readings with Tim Slover. This year, Mike has uh, brought his friend Eric Nelson, and uh, they're the Lightwood Duo. So we have the Lightwood Duo with uh, Tim Slover this year, and uh, we're glad you're listening. Um, and we're uh, having readings for the season and music uh, for the season and uh, some good uh, conversation. Let's turn next to Tim Slover. What do you have for us next? First of all, I want to say how honored I am to be with you and with you guys, and though you're in a different studio. It's, uh, there's such great music. Um, this is uh, an excerpt from a book called Christmas in Plains, in this case, Plains, Georgia. Uh, Jimmy Carter, um, who was uh, uh, president in the 70s, uh, has had an extraordinary uh, post-presidency. I think everyone, whether they liked him as president or not, would agree with that. It's been an inspiration to me. But this particular excerpt is about a Christmas in 1978, uh, and it sort of talks about the dangers of being a public figure. I wish I could read like Jimmy Carter, but I can't. I won't even try. It would seem that we had every reason to approach Christmas with Thanksgiving, but I had a serious problem. It was both painful and extremely embarrassing, and this is the only time I have ever made any public comment about it. I had first been afflicted when I was a young submarine officer, but this time it was much worse than ever before, and I was almost completely incapacitated from participating in any kind of public events. My initial warning was when I had to leave a Christmas party for the White House staff and press corps to receive emergency treatment, and for the first and only time during my service as president, I canceled all my scheduled events the next day and asked Vice President Walter Mondale to substitute for me. 
The White House physician gave me an injection of Demerol, and I slept through the annual diplomatic children's reception with Walter Cronkite and Barbara Walters trying to make excuses to the children for my absence. In fact, our young guests didn't seem to mind my failure to attend because Amy was there to represent the the first family. My hope was that getting back home to planes would somehow ease my pain and discomfort, and we boarded Air Force One, accompanied by Dr. Lukash, and took off for Atlanta, where we stopped briefly to admire our beautiful little red-haired granddaughter. Then we took a helicopter on to planes, so far successful in concealing my problem from the public. This year, the little town was even more overrun by demonstrators competing for the television cameras and news media that follow a president. There was a large delegation of Taiwanese protesting my recent announcement that we were normalizing diplomatic relations with mainland China. The American farm movement tractors had returned to the town's main street. And in the nearby fields, the farmers were contending for space and attention with an assembly of Ku Klux Klansmen protesting some of my human rights policies. I didn't feel like confronting any of them. And I was also busy on the telephone. My diary says that I was making some final decisions about our next year's budget, encouraging the Soviets to prepare for talks on reducing nuclear arsenals and attempting to convince the Shah of Iran that he should be generous in reaching out to his people while curbing his brutal security police. more pleasant duty was to call both President Anwar Sadat and Prime Minister Menachem Begin to exchange holiday greetings and to discuss how we could build on the Camp David Accords and move towards a permanent peace treaty between their two nations. On Christmas Eve, it was still difficult for me to walk, and I had to let our son Chip and Amy go into the woods to find a tree, which we all joined in decoration. Early next morning, after the usual exchange of gifts, I went into my study and turned on the radio to see if there was any international news that might relate to our nation's projects. The top item from overseas was that President Sadat had announced to the world that his good friend Jimmy had hemorrhoids and made a public appeal for all Egyptians, Muslims, and Christians to pray on this holy day that I should be cured because I was, quote, a good man searching for peace." The day after Christmas, for the first time in weeks, all the pain and discomfort went away. I was tempted to make a public announcement thanking people of all faiths for their prayers, but decided that we had enough publicity about my ailment. In any case, I've never received a better Christmas gift or felt more grateful for personal benefits that resulted from a nation at prayer. (laughs) That's wonderful. Jimmy Carter, the perils of being president. (laughs) All your problems are there for, for, people <laughs> for everyone to see. To see. Yeah. <laughs> Thank or at least hear about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's wonderful. Uh, Tim Slover there uh, reading uh, a piece from Jimmy Carter. Let's turn back to the Lightwood duo, Mike Christiansen guitar, Eric Nerson on uh, clarinet. What are we going to hear next, gentlemen? A good, uh, good old standard of standards. This is the Christmas song.
That's the Lightwood Duo performing the Christmas song. I was, I was trying to had a, a, a blinked on the uh, the composer. Uh, Mel Torme. Yeah, right. Okay. I wanted to say Mel Torme. I yeah. should have just trusted my first response. Who pays for his Christmas that's, every year with that one song? With that song, it's a beautiful song. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very popular. Yeah, that was beautiful, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I wanted to ask each of you about Christmas traditions. I know, Mike, one of your traditions is going to the airport. <laughs> yeah, well, which may sound odd. Really, a family tradition, but family. it's become a it's become a duo tradition. Yeah, the uh, airport. Oh, oh, it's the duo. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, All right. yeah we we go down and play uh, every uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. We play uh, before Thanksgiving, and then we play uh, right after Thanksgiving, and then at Christmas we're going to play. Uh, we play the morning shift down there on uh, the morning of Christmas Eve, and then we play the the entire day the the Sunday after. It's kind of a long gig. We play ten hours. And uh, we played down at the uh, at the top of Concourse D down there at the Delta Terminal, and some of my colleagues will pass through and think, "Oh, really? Has it come to this?" But <laughs> right. but it's uh, they they actually hire us to do it, and it calms the people in security okay. and waiting for their flights. Yeah, it's it's stressful traveling, so it's nice to have some music. Yeah, it's they're great audience. So I've talked to Mike about this experience, uh, Eric. I I didn't realize this was the duo playing down there. So what what what's that like? Well, it's really hard to play a mouth-blowing instrument for that long. So, yeah, the mouth gets really tired, but it's it's a good way to get in shape in a hurry. Yeah. What uh, do you have a memorable reaction from from people? Oh, there's a, there's a lot of them every time. Uh, yeah, they, different different reactions. They just walk by real quickly, and then sometimes they'll turn around and come back and check to make sure it was really happening. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. I, would, I would imagine people, people <laughs> taking photographs, ac- asking if we play other jobs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they want to hire you for for another job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's wonderful. Uh, Tim Slover, what uh, do you actually do? Some of the stuff that we hear about in the Christmas Chronicles. Do you you go up. Christmas Chronicle starts with you going up to cut pine boughs. Yeah, I can't really talk about that much yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, since it's federal land. Yeah. Um, but uh, I do like pine boughs, and um, there is a place in Provo Canyon where you can get pine boughs. <laughs> and we we will think of it as not on federal land for, for purposes here, I guess. Great. And uh, so you, you're, you must be totally into Christmas. You, you wrote The Legend of Santa Claus and... I, yeah, I am. I, it's it's a little funny, even in my own family. Uh, I'm the oldest one in my family now. I mean, I always have been, right? We have two boys uh, who are obviously younger than me. My wife's younger than me, um, but I'm the, I guess, the most childish. I'd like to say childlike, but some of it's really childish because <laughs> um, I just, I like, I like watching. It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. I like. All that stuff. I, I I like putting up the Christmas lights, even though it's terrifying to me because I'm afraid of heights. I I just do kind of like I like the retail part of it, frankly. I like the religious part and I like the retail part. Yeah. Uh, I I'm the only guy that doesn't you know groan when the Christmas decorations go up mm-hmm. or the Christmas stuff goes in at Costco around you know September. I mm-hmm. I think it's great. <laughs> are Are you there at midnight on for Black Friday? That's the uh, you know I used to do more of that, but I'm now more of a Cyber Monday guy. Okay, yeah, yeah, I've, I've turned into that as well. <laughs> Although I do like to shop local. 
Um, so, uh, gentlemen, uh, Mike, what uh, apart from the airport, what <laughs> family tradition? Is is there a favorite family uh, tradition? We're Danish, and uh, we we have a lot of Jan- Danish traditions that we uh, that we do with the family. We have a, a traditional Danish dinner on Christmas Eve, and then we have a, a nut pudding at the end. Uh, we have a, a rice pudding at the end of the dinner. Sorry, and then in uh, in the rice pudding, one person there's a nut buried in the rice pudding and the person that gets the nut um, has good luck for that year and gets a gets a gift and then we uh, pull the tree out we sing around the tree we open our uh, presents from the family on Christmas Eve and then Santa comes on Saturday and there are there are a lot of other traditions but that's some of the Danish ones we celebrate. yeah that sounds wonderful Eric Nelson what what about you well all, all three of our kids are living on the East Coast now so the last few years it's it's just been necessary to get together with them somehow either we go out there or this year this is fun to have all this snow for them because they're in georgia and west virginia then uh, they'll be coming here this year so it's mainly just getting together with family yeah that's that's uh that's the the best part isn't it yeah, get, get the family together right well tim slover let's hear another reading what are we going to hear uh this is called the carpenter i um I've always had a soft spot in my heart for Joseph, um, who maybe doesn't get as much press as other people in the Holy Family. Um, and so uh, thinking about that, I wrote this piece um, that is um, about uh, Joseph's reflections on um, uh, three, three times in the life of his son, genetic or not, um, and what it means to be a father. Uh, so this is a new poem. This has not been read before publicly. The carpenter. I thought he was talking about me, so did my wife in that place, God's place, we're told, cool and shadowed and with that peculiar smell you get there, burned resin and blood. And the boy, small among the grave, nodding scholars, his face eager and shining and forgetful, upturned, smiling to his mother, hers grave and puckered with worry. She knew, as I knew, how little a thing, how easy to lose a son to the brutes and cutthroats of Jerusalem. Why did you slip away? We've been a whole day searching. The tremble in her voice took away his smile, and he was grave as the doctor's now. But I thought you would know. I would be here about my father's business. We thought he spoke of me, and I was not pleased at the bald, foolish lie— For my temple-going is grudging, and I have no business there save what I must. And on the homeward journey I had much to say to him, but as usual, meted out no punishment, for I was fond of the boy and could never bear to cuff him. And when in later years came the day, he went from our door and wandered out among the brutes and cutthroats. I waited till the sink of the sun and in the following dark lay down in grief. My son... What business have you there? Here is work and wood enough for us, here between the hill and the lake. She knew the answer, of course. My wife, they were always thick as two thieves, but I could make nothing of it. Today he came back, my boy, spoke marvels to our congregation. I waited outside, all eagerness, as all those years he was before, but when he hurried from the door it was in a roiling throng, and I could not clasp the prodigal to me. The crowd prickly with anger, and the rabbi turned to me. You there, carpenter, this is your son, isn't it? Then my boy's eyes met mine, 
and all the years dropped away and I was young again, footsore on my way to David's town, my new wife sitting our donkey heavy with child and a burning comet in the sky, turning over in my mind the searing saying of God and what he'd done. And I smelt the blood and birth among the litter of the stable floor, heard the crowding sheep herders shouting of a new shepherd come, and the thrum of something joyful beyond reason beginning. But now my boy looked at me to see what I would say, and our angry rabbi too. I stood straight as a board eyed planed, didn't dare to say a word for fear of trembling and tears, but shook my head no and pointed up to where his father is, I think. But know this, this know, I shared in the raising of him. I did without. I showed him all the little that I knew, and then I let him go to tread his own path in a wild and wolfish world. And that's a father's place. Tim Slover reading his own work, The Carpenter. Thank you. Beautiful. Let's take another break where you're listening to the Axis Utah Holiday Special for 2015. We have Tim Slover, a playwright, a professor of theater arts at uh, University of Utah and uh, author of the Christmas Chronicles. He's uh, giving us readings for the season. We're hearing the Lightwood duo, Mike Christiansen on guitar and Eric Nelson on clarinet. We'll hear more uh, from all three of these gentlemen following the break. Hi, I'm Lynn Waffle. You know, movies have always been a huge part of celebrating the holidays, and I hope you can join me for a Hollywood holiday, bringing you some of the best nostalgic and newer releases from Hollywood that celebrate the season. Join me for Hollywood Holiday from American Public Media. Join us Thursday night at 9 on Utah Public Radio. Here at Utah Public Radio, we're having folks over for Christmas with music from Utah artists such as Mayday Red, Hillary Murray, Corey Castillo, and Jeremy Nivison, and more. Please join us for an hour of folk music for the holiday when we have folks over for Christmas, Saturday night at 7, here on Utah Public Radio. It's the Axis Utah Holiday Special for 2015. This is a yearly uh, tradition, and uh, we get together with music and readings for the season. This year, it's uh, Tim Slover giving us readings, and we have the Lightwood Duo with us in uh, Studio B. Um, we appreciate all of these gentlemen being with us. We've reached our last uh, segment. Hope you're enjoying the music and uh, readings with us here on Utah Public Radio. So we turn next to Mike Christiansen and Eric Nelson, the uh, Lightwood Duo. What are we going to hear next? Uh, we'd like to play uh, Silent Night. And uh, as you know, uh, Silent Night was uh, written first on the guitar and uh, the original composed uh, on the guitar. And I'm going to play the first uh, time through will be very much like the original. And then uh, we'll spice it up just a little bit, embellish it, and then we'll we'll go into another tune.
That's the Lightwood duo. <laughs> Beautiful, gentlemen. Silent night. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's very nice. Uh, we're hearing music for the season and readings for the season. Lightwood duo along with uh, Tim Slover. It's the Axis Utah holiday special for 2015. Let's turn back to Tim Slover. What do we hear next? Well, sometimes um, it's hard to let the real you come out publicly because you you know, you just don't know how people are going to take it. And this is a little story uh, about a cowboy who does that. It's called Coming Out for Christmas. All right, now, all you young buckaroos and cowgirls, you just pull yourself up a section of pipe corral and have a seat. Listen real close to what this old saddle tramp has to say to you. You all know me. You know I'm the meanest son of a coyote in all these parts, and I don't take no meadow muffins from nobody. I like to light matches on my face stubble. I like to wrestle grizzly bears and punch cows. No, I mean actually punch them. Most of you buckaroos and cowgirls, if you heard two taciturn words from me, they was probably cuss words. Or maybe on a real sunny day, get lost. I admit there's a dang sight more cactus in me than buttercup, but that's how a man survives out here on the unforgiven range. So it's probably a big shock that I'm conversing with you now real gentle-like, but it's for your own dang good I'm doing it, so listen with both your dang ears or I'll rip them off and feed them to the hogs. All right now. I hear some of you boys and gals are wondering if maybe you'd sort of like to come on out of the storm cellar and let everybody on both sides of the county line know about who is the real you. You're thinking maybe this is finally the time to put on your dang boots and stride out into the clear day and say to all the other bunkhouse crew, this is the real me, this is who I am, who I always been, and I ain't hiding it anymore. Well, I got to tell you, you got guts, every man, buck, and filly of you, but I also got to tell you, the world can be mean and ugly. It ain't all molasses and chewing tobacco once you let folks in on your little secret. You can holler all you want about how there ain't nothing you can do about it, about how you was always this way, how it ain't a choice, it's a dang genetic predisposition. But listen here. Once you let the cat out of the bag about how you feel about Christmas, well, let's just say it ain't going to be no church picnic for you. I know because I'd done it. I let out my Christmas attraction. Oh, I hid who I really was for a long, long time. I was on my guard. I didn't let on about my issue. I hid my eggnog in my whiskey flask. I kept my holly under beneath my mattress in the bunkhouse. I let on like I was thinking about poker games and women when really I was daydreaming about sleigh bells and sugar cookies. I slipped up some, of course, just like all of you do, which is how I figured which one of you was like me. Some of the boys would catch me singing snatches of Oh Holy Night around the campfire, but I'd cover it up quickly by switching to Buffalo Roman. And if they got too close to the truth, well, I'd just brand them. It helps to be the toughest ranch hand in the West. And then one day it got too dang much for me. I'd rode into town on my buckboard to see the doubleheader movie at the mall, High Plains Drifter and White Christmas. I took a peek at my fellow patrons just to see if there was any like me. They all dressed funny. None of them had on nothing made of suede or snakeskin or any fringe or pockets with pearl snaps. And it was pretty obvious some of them had been bathing regular. But still, I could tell. They felt about Christmas the way I did. One of them even looked like she was going to come right up to me and ask me for my Bush to Noel recipe. But I couldn't make eye contact. I was still all conflicted about letting my truth out. I ran out of that movie house. I mean, not before Danny Kane. Bing opened that big barn door and showed everybody it was snowing outside and made the general feel like a million bucks. I may be mean, but I ain't no some sort of psychopath. But right after that, I ran out. Didn't watch the credits or nothing. 
Then I just paced through that fancy mall for the best part of an hour, my dang heart pounding and my spurs jangling like the sound of tiny silvery sleigh bells. I was filled with rage and confusion. Down by the food court, I saw the mall Santa talking to kids, letting them tell him what they wanted for Christmas. I looked at him and something in me just snapped. I hollered out right there in front of the Arby's, Santa, I wish I knew how to quit you. And then I ran out of that mall all hot and sweaty and got back on my dang buckboard and raced out of town. But I couldn't outrace my thoughts. And my thoughts was telling me, you're a fool. You got to own up to who and what you are. There ain't nothing wrong with the way you are, except maybe for the Brandon part, which you ought to maybe think about cutting back on. You like Christmas. So cowboy up and admit it, dang it, and stop hiding it from the world. Just let the cow chips fall where they may. So that's what I'd done. Soon as I got back to the bunkhouse, I fished my Christmas stocking out from under my mattress where the Holly and Good Housekeeping Christmas Tips magazines were hid, and I tacked that old sock up right next to the pellet stove. Then I looked around. Everybody in that bunkhouse looked surprised, like a lizard when you pick up a rock it's under. But nobody said nothing. One low-down son of a scorpion kind of sniggered, or at least he might have, so I branded him, but I made me a mental note that it was going to be among the last ones. Anyway, buckaroos and cowgirls, pretty soon every man-jack in that bunkhouse accepted me for who and what I am. They shook hands fair and square, and a couple of them, in private, asked me if I could put in a good word for him with Santa. So you young folks, I'm telling you, be not afraid. Own up to your own beautiful Christmas-loving natures. But I do have to advise you to toughen up some if you're going to come out on this season. Because once folks find out, they're going to be all over you like blue fly on cow leftovers. And if you ain't tough enough individuals to stand up to them when they rib you about your big Christmas card list or your red and green chaps, you ain't tough enough for Christmas. You buckaroos got to march up bold as brass and nail your advent calendar to the cookhouse door for everyone to see. Invite one of them buckaroos to, op- to open up one of them little doors for themselves and then laugh at them as they scatter in a panic of being found out for who and what they really is. And you cowgirls, got to put a Dean Martin record on, play it over the ranch PA system, and then start singing along to Let It Snow and loud as ha- and howl as loud as a wolf. The gals who join in singing with you, they are the ones who is true and loyal and will stick with you even though they know you're different. So listen, well, I ain't ashamed to say it, and I ain't never going to be ashamed again to say it. You buckaroos and cowgirls say it with me now. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Love it. Um, so, so tell me the title of the piece again. Uh, it's called Coming Out for Christmas. Coming Out for Christmas. Uh, who, is that yours? That is, yeah. yeah. You know, very, very well done. <laughs> very good. Um, Tim Slover there. Let's hear another piece uh, from uh, Lightwood Duo. What are we going to hear? Well, I don't know. I think after that reading, Tim, we we had planned to do Christmas Time is Here by Charlie Brown, but maybe we could make it Charlie Brown's Cowboy Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> no, we won't do that.
Beautiful. Lightwood Duo. Tell me the name of the piece again. Christmas Time is Here. Christmas Time is Here. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. We just have uh, about a minute. Uh, Tim, What uh, do you have a, like a, a short piece? I do. This is the, the final minute. It's, I think it's time to read this. Uh, this uh, has been called Salutation. It's, it's really an excerpt from a letter uh, that was written uh, by architect and classical scholar and Franciscan friar, Fra Giovanni, uh, written to the Countess Elagia Aldobrandeschi on Christmas Eve in the year 1513. And this is what he wrote. I salute you. There is nothing I can give you which you have not, but there is much that while I cannot give, you can take. No heaven can come to us unless our hearts find rest in it today. Take heaven. No peace lies in the future which is not hidden in this present instant. Take peace. The gloom of the world is but a shadow. Behind it, yet within our reach, is joy. Take joy. And so, at this Christmas time, I greet you with the prayer that for you, now and forever, the day breaks and the shadows flee away. Oh, beautiful. Very appropriate to uh, conclude the, the program. All the end. We, uh, All the end. We are, uh, we'll have, uh, after the credits, we'll have Lightwood do a play us out, but uh, we've reached the end of our. 2015 holiday special for Axis Utah. Tim Slover, thank you so much for, for coming in the studio for us. That's really made me feel Christmassy. Thank you. Thank you. And Lightwood Duo, thank you so much. Mike Christiansen and uh, Eric Nelson, thanks so much. Thank you very much thank for having you. us, Tom. Thanks. Thank you. Good to be with you, Tim. Good to be All with right. you guys. <laughs> and uh, my thanks to uh, producers uh, Jessica Sonderegger and Bennett Purser. A uh, special thanks to our engineer, uh, friend Weller. And uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everyone. Uh, so I would do a, what are you going to place out with? We'll do a little bit of uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year.
This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 Logan, KUSK HD1 Vernal, KUSL HD1 Richfield, KUST HD1 Moab, KCEU Price, and KUSU FM HD1 Logan.